to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. For the next um, few weeks, taking us to the first Sunday in September, we're going to be studying the book of Philippians together. And in this sermon, I'll explain why. It um, is Becky Clark's favorite book in the New Testament, so I don't feel any pressure there at all to, to make sure the sermon series is wonderful. It was um, one of the first couple of books that I was able to translate when they taught us that weird Greek language in seminary. And um, it's four chapters, but they're powerful chapters. Hear now these words from the first chapter of Philippians, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for you all share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So there are two television seasons in my life. The first television season begins with college game day and takes me all the way through to college game day final. And yes, When all of that was on, I would come into church kind of bleary-eyed, and I am one of those people that I'm praying right now for college football, because if we don't have college football, well, then we'll just have church all the time. See, you want college football too now, don't you? The second season of my television life begins after football. Two of the most insidious channels developed from the minds of cable television executives, HGTV and the DIY Network. Yes, you wake up on Saturday morning and you watch the oldest of their shows sell this house. 
which I learned the way you sell your house is basically clean it up. Then we've got flip this house. Then we've got property brothers. And we've got buy this house and buy or sell. And then we've got Chip and Joanna Gaines and Shiplap. And I don't know what the name of their show is. But for 30 scintillating moments, this very quiet voice was saying to my subconscious, Doug, you can do it, Bubba. Just get a saw, grip it and rip it. Doug, you can do sawdust, man. Have some fun. In 2017, Tamara and I bought the Baptist Parsonage in Gibsland. Their preacher wouldn't use it. He lives in Haynesville. And she agreed because we got the house ridiculously cheap. She said, okay. You can remodel. <laughs> I've been watching HGV. Yeah, this is no problem. House is on pier and beams, built in 1947. It's not level, so I don't have that problem. The back of the house was added by the ba- Baptist deacons. It's not square. I don't have that problem. She said, our remodeling thesis is... You can put lipstick on this pig. Yeah. I'm thinking about getting my own HGTV show. It's called Bend This Nail. Or in my true life, find the stud because I haven't found one yet. Hi, it's got shiplap behind the sheetrock. I nail with impunity now. I just, you want to hold that? You want something attached to the wall? I can do it. Man, I just have all this fun nailing and, and, and sawing and cussing. <laughs> what I found out is HGTV and DIY Network lies. They lie, they lie, they lie. 23 minutes, because that's how long a 30-minute show lasts. 23 minutes, and that includes commercials from Wayfair, Home Depot, and Lowe's. They can fix anything. in tw- They can lay a whole wooden floor in 23 minutes. And they don't get mad at each other because there's a producer in the back yelling, cut, cut, bring the real carpenters in here. Get somebody who can measure and have them straighten this mess out. I don't have that. Oh, I don't have. I laid a floor. I can lay a floor. Mm. If you're ever laying a floor in your house, you want to borrow my wife's big toe. Because she would take, she would come home from work, she would take her shoes off, and she would rub her big toe across the seams, and she would say, uh, This board is not level. Honey, I'm way over there at that board. I don't care about this board. Doug, come here. Rub this board right here. Sure enough, you could feel the edge. And you know what my wife had the audacity to do? Pull it all up. 
and get this board level. Yes, ma'am. I will. HGTV, they do not tell the truth. They do not keep faith. It just is not how it works. But I have to admit, what the quarantine or what the stay-at-home order has done for me is put an end to all of my home improvement jobs. You know, it's no fun anymore. Besides, you can't get in Lowe's. It's too crowded. All those people staying at home, they're all in lows. I think we're not going to worry about Sunday school. We're just going to have a flash mob in the outdoor furniture section of Lowe's one day. And we're, we're, going, to sh- we're going to show them that Methodists can be real cool people. Can you see it? Can I get a manager to plumbing? We have Methodists in plumbing and they're singing. Let's have some fun. But we've all been interrupted. I didn't get my spring planting all in. (laughs) The plants just arrived yesterday. You should see them. They're supposed to be planted back in February. I've got a couple of projects I really need to get done and get finished, but we got interrupted, didn't we? Graduations, confirmations, weddings, God bless them, funerals. Everything that we used to do big, call a crowd, get them to come in. We're doing drive-by now. I know y'all said goodbye to Reverend Leslie driving by. Bye-bye, Leslie. Had a drive-by party. You know in Natchitoches what they wanted to do? They wanted to put me on the middle of 2nd Street, that's where the church is, in a dunking booth and have a drive-by dunking booth to say goodbye to me. Yeah, that's how loved I was after 10 years of pastoring the church. That's a warning to y'all, by the way. Our lives have been interrupted. For better, for worse. They're not as they were. The Apostle Paul had been preaching in Asia Minor. He had been talking about this man, Jesus, about his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. He had been talking about how Christ can change lives and transform lives. He had been finding groups and communities and forming something called the church all over Asia Minor. And Paul had a passion that was going to take him to Rome. He eventually wanted to go to Spain to carry Christ to the furthest parts of our globe. And the Romans got a hold of him. And they arrested him. Now, Paul was basically quarantined. He was under what the Romans knew as house arrest. He was chained to a Roman soldier. He couldn't leave, but people could come and talk to Paul. Paul could continue to write his churches. That's where Philippians came from. But Paul knew at any moment there might be a knock at the door and it'd be more Roman soldiers who would call him before Caesar, who would try him and execute him. And so for for these weeks, I want to look at the book of Philippians as Paul giving us some advice of coming out of quarantine, because that's where Paul is. He is in spiritual and physical quarantine. His life has been put on hold. His plans have been truncated. He can't do what he was planning to do anymore. And how do you live out of that? How do you grow out of that? How do you function in that kind of world. We call this time liminal time. 
It's threshold time. It's, it's not yet time. And there are a couple of ways of describing liminal time, and I think the best way is to, manage, to imagine you're going to take your perfect vacation. You got it? Where do you want to go? You got that worked out too? For most of us, unless you want to go to Dubak as your, your perfect vacation, most of us want to go someplace where we have to fly. I want to go to New Hampshire at Christmas time. I want to be in one of those places where I'm on a Christmas card, you know? So I'm going to New Hampshire for Christmas. So flying out of Shreveport, I have to get on a plane. Yeah. Shreveport doesn't have any direct flights to New Hampshire. So if you're flying to New Hampshire from Shreveport, you have to land and stop in Atlanta. Okay. The Atlanta airport is liminal space. It's liminal time. It's not yet. You got on the plane to go on your destination. You are not at your destination yet. You are at this way station. You're at this in-between place. Now, I like the Atlanta airport, but it's gotten to be the Atlanta airport has become gate change nation. Flight to New Hampshire, leaving out of gate B6, is now leaving out of gate C7. You have 12 minutes to change terminals. I don't run in airports very well. I do a lot of wheezing. Nobody will bring me a cart. They won't help me. That's where you are. Liminal space. Spiritually, the Atlanta airport. What we knew of life, some of that will come roaring back and we'll be doing it again. Some of it, not so sure about. Can I tell you what's coming back and what's not? No. But I know that checking the book of Philippians, I can learn to live through this time. There's a book on church leadership entitled Canoeing the Mountains. And the book starts off talking about Lewis and Clark's Corps of Discovery. Lewis and Clark were commissioned by the government. Your history book said, and you remember, they were going to survey the Louisiana Purchase. We bought it after all. We might as well see what we bought. No, they pretty much knew what they bought. The Corps of Discovery was tasked with finding a water passage from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean. It's the same mentality that wanted to look for the Northwest Passage. It's cutting all the geography out of the way so you can explore some more and so you can do commerce. The Lewis and Clark Corps of Discovery had gone all the way up the Missouri River. As a matter of fact, Meriwether Lewis writes in his journal that he stood straddling the headwaters of the Missouri River and he reached down and got some of that cold water and drank of it. And he, he, was, he talked about what a God moment it was achieving this, this great journey of going all the way up to the Missouri River. Geography and what they thought was true had taught them that the Columbia River came in from the Pacific Ocean, the Missouri River went up the continent, and there was just this few feet that separated those two rivers. And so 
the Corps of Discovery got their canoes out of the water. They got their oars out of the water. They got all their gear out of the water, and they're standing there about to journey over this little rise that was right there in front of them. And they just knew over that rise was the Columbia River. And they topped the rise. And what do you suppose they saw on the horizon? The Rocky Mountains. They have canoes and oars, and they're ready to navigate a river. They're not ready to climb a mountain. You and I, along with the book of Philippians and the Apostle Paul, are standing there looking at this mountain. It's called the United States of America in the last half of the year 2020. And we're looking at a horizon we haven't seen before. And we're wondering, do we have the tools? Do we have the ability? How do we go over those mountains? And what's on the other side? So it's out of that context and it's out of that reality that you and I share together that that Paul has some words of wisdom. And Paul starts out and he says, I rejoice. And I pray with you, pray for you with joy. And that's the first word I want you to get out of all this, that we need to face this time with joy. The words joy and the word grace in Greek are cousin words. They're out of the same root. And you can't have joy unless you've experienced God's love and grace. And when you've experienced God's love and grace, you have joy. How's your joy level these days? Now, I can't see if you have joy behind your masks. I don't know what's going on behind those masks, but I want to tell you that in our, our world, we've just gotten weird. Liminal space has, has, has decreased our joy, and, and we've forgotten how to laugh, and we've forgotten how to have fun. Now, if you're going to laugh and you're going to have fun, you've got to be at least 10 feet apart. I'm quite sure laughter will shoot something 10 feet. That's how weird we've gotten. Our son Andrew brought um, his son Emerson, our grandson. Young people, I want to tell you, your parents love you. They love you. They love you. They love you. Nothing compared to how they will love your children. You will absolutely be forgotten once you produce a grandchild. Andrew brings Emerson to stay with us a couple of days, and and we're ready. Man, I've gone to Hobby Lobby. I've got painting projects for Emerson. I've pulled out Emerson's little shovel because Emerson and Pawpaw like to dig in the backyard. He's going to be a good, good gardener. Well, Andrew kind of Friday night's feeling a little punk. Saturday morning, he gets up, and Tamara and I have been up for a while getting ready for Emerson. Andrew would stay in bed for all we cared. We wanted Emerson. We're getting ready for Emerson, and Andrew gets up, and he asks for the maternal thermometer. That's, Mom, would you feel my forehead? I, I feel hot. She gives him the temperature appraisal, then gives him a thermometer. Andrew was 101. And we did the thing that loving, compassionate parents who have their baby boy there to see them and their grandson would do. 
We put on our mask. We had him put on his mask. I took Emerson outside to dig a hole in the backyard. And Tamara got Andrew all packed up with all the stuff we had saved for him to take back to Lake Charles. And between digging in the backyard and helping Andrew pack, we got everything ready. And an hour after Andrew had taken his temperature, and we'd started packing, Andrew was gone. See, we have an 89-year-old mother-in-law living in the house with us. I was online looking to see, well, it's been 14 days. Uh, Can I preach at Trinity on my first Sunday? We were looking up places Andrew could get a an immediate test. Now he's negative again. But how weird is that? That's our baby boy. If this had been a year ago, you know what we would have done? We would have sent Andrew to bed with orange juice and some Advil and we said, stay here until you feel better. We'll take the kid and play with him. But I want to suggest this weird liminal time, liminal space we're in has impacted how we're reacting to human beings. And one of the things we've lost is our joy. Paul said what fruit of the spirit is what? The first two, love, joy. You can choose to react out of joy. You can choose to live out of joy. You can choose to live knowing that Jesus Christ has promised us This isn't how it ends. I've got plans for you. Great and glorious plans for you. You can join me in having fun. Yes, I'm suggesting you have fun. We've got two people. The paper people have been back in Walmart. And this time they're buying paper towels. All the paper we ran out of the first time, plenty of that paper. There are no paper towels. Does somebody know something I don't know? What's going on? And why all this one-way traffic in Walmart? Who shops that way? Do you? What do you do? Get a little joy about it. Have a little fun with it. Fun? This is serious. Yes, absolutely. But Paul was in jail. He could be executed at any moment. He was telling the Philippians, I get so happy every time I think of you. I pray with joy. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Choose joy. And Paul said you can do that because God is not finished with you yet. The one who started the work will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. God will get finished with what he's doing. He will finish the project. My last project that I finished at the house was involved with moving. When you move, you have to do a change of address. You do a change of address so all your junk mail can find you. And I want my junk mail. So we had a debate in the beautiful metropolis of Gibsland. Do we have a mailbox? Because there wasn't one out in front of our house. Or do we get a post office box? 
And we went round and round and round about that. And we finally decided we'll put up a mailbox. That, that just makes sense. So we went to the post office and said, where do we put the mailbox? How far offset from the road? What's the height? What do you need to do? United States Postal Service has rules and regulations for everything. Certainly, you've got rules for this, post, for this mailbox. And the first thing we learned is you can't put your mailbox on Main Street. That's where my house is. It's on Main Street. Rural postal carrier does not deliver to Main Street. Your mailbox will have to go on Gibbs Street, the next block over. Uh, Say what? Your mailbox will have to go on Gibbs Street. Right. We're serious. Have any regulations about height, distance, setback, anything? She said, nope, just put it on Gibbs Street right there. Tamara said, well, if I've got to put a mailbox on Gibbs Street, my mailbox is going to lock. Do you know how different a locking mailbox is from just a mailbox? It's big. It's heavy. It's for sale at Lowe's. Baby, let's go to Lowe's. Okay, we went to Lowe's, got the mailbox, got the post, got the quick crete. I go to Gibbs Street and start digging in my neighbor's yard. I'm sure they'll understand. I'm digging in your yard because the post office said I need to put the mailbox right here in your yard. You can come by Gibbs Street now at the corner of Gibbs Street and 8th Street. How can Gibbs Street and 8th Street intersect? It's Gibbsland, Louisiana. It does. And you can find my mailbox. It stands upright. It stands level. It locks in the front, locks in the back. It's a project that I look at with great pride because I'm finished. Done. Paul said, live life with joy because God's not finished with you and understand that God has called you to be pure and blameless. God has called you to be pure and blameless. Wesley said of his people that we ought to be holy and happy. Now, I can't tell about your happiness right now because I can't see your happy sign. But I can tell about your holiness because you got holy looking eyes. I can see the eyes of Christ in you and you are looking holy. This fall... Pastor Chris will be ordained as an elder in the church. Pastor Chris is not with us today. He is in Florida at a beach. Uh, No, he's at a lake house. They have quarantined in the quarantine on vacation. He says, hi, y'all. But Pastor Chris is going to be ordained as an elder in the church. And on the day before they ordain all these deacons and elders, they ask them about 16 questions, I think. And two of the questions, the first question says, are you going on to perfection? That's how we Methodists talk about it. Are you going on in sanctification? Are you looking more and more like Jesus Christ? Are you going deeper in your faith? If you want to go deeper, you can text that to 97,000 and we'll tell you at Trinity how to go deeper. Are you progressing in your faith? 
Are you walking with Jesus Christ day by day? You know, this, this quarantine, this stay-at-home order has given us a chance to work on our holiness. It's given us a chance to pray, to read scripture, to have family time. Good grief, we're not running around crazy taking kids to everything anymore. We've got them at home. Some kids are actually going outside and playing, and nobody's having to tell them to go outside and play. It's glorious. We've gone back to the 50s and 60s. Are you spending this time growing in your faith? So the clergy have to ask, are you going on to perfection? And they will piously say, yes, bishop, we are. And then the bishop will ask them, do you expect to be made perfect in this life? Perfect in this life? Who is the bishop kidding? I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. They asked me those questions way back, back in those old 80s. But Christ has called me to grow in grace. Christ has called me to grow in depth. Christ has called me to grow in joy. I am called to be made perfect in this life. So I'm going to answer yes. I'm going to be made perfect in this life. Please, God, make me perfect in this life. You and I as Christians are in a journey and on a journey. We're going on to perfection. We're growing in grace. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. Friends, that project's never done. There's never a point where you can say, yep, I've arrived. I'm finished. Because you're not. As a disciple of Jesus Christ... God's Holy Spirit is always nudging you and urging you and calling you and leading you to grow deeper. So receive life with joy. Receive life with joy. Understand our call is to become holy and we'll live out that Wesleyan adage that Methodists should be happy and holy and realize there are detours Some detours are called stay-at-home orders. Some detours are called pandemics. Some detours are called divorces. Some detours are called kid running away from home. Some detours are called sickness. There are all kinds of detours. But God is going to take us home and finish the work he started in us. Y'all, that, that mailbox, it's standing there and it's glorious in Gibson. Come see my mailbox. So Tamara goes onto the computer to do the change of address. Where are you moving from? And she types it in, Natchitoches, Louisiana. Where are you moving to? And she types the address in and the computer says, that address does not exist. So she types it in again. That address is not in the USPS database. I know the house is there. I've been working on it for three years. Me and HGTV have fixed up this. I know the house is there. But according to the United States Postal Service, the address doesn't exist. Have you ever tried to go get a new address? Do you know how long it takes the United States Postal Service to actually give you an address if you don't have one? God created it all in six days. It takes the USPS two weeks. I thought my project was done. No. 
We got it done. It was just a little detour. Except what's happened is an opportunity for God to grow you, to touch you, to get your attention, and for you to live as joyous, pure, and blessed Christians. Or as John Wesley would say, happy and holy Methodist. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we thank you that you're not done with us. That from the time we are born to the time we draw our last breath, we're projects under construction. Lord, send your Holy Spirit down upon us and mold us in your image so that we might reflect the love of God in Jesus Christ for our world. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.